Our Show. We're counting down the top ten films you've probably never seen. Never seen. Let's hit it, Polly. Welcome to episode 446 of the Countdown Podcast. My name's Wayne. And my name is Paul. Welcome to the show where we count down stuff in order of awesomeness so you don't have to. Today's stuff happens to be films as yeah. we tend to land back on. Yeah. And we thought, you know what? What are films that we've seen that most probably haven't? Now, you, you might have heard of these mm-hmm. films. Mm-hmm. And, and in my case, I've spoken about them all at some point or another over the last 445 episodes. Mm-hmm. But... According to my research, I what Letterbox is logged and what's on IMDb, mm. bugger all people have seen. Oh, these so you films. did some hard research. Good one. What I did was here's the thing, right? Because a good number of you out there on this listeners list here are film buffs like ourselves, of course. What yep. else wouldn't you be, right? And there's a there's a few of you motherfuckers, David Powell, who like <laughs> who've seen every fucking <laughs> David film. David Powell gets <laughs> A lot on this show. Well, this is the thing. Paul and I, was, uh, between the two of us, Paul is actually more of that guy who's got a fucking back catalogue of every movie that's ever been made. Well, I, I bother to log things on Letterbox. that's correct. But even when we were kids and you were, we were going to the Blockbuster, all right? Or the there was Video like, Easy. Video Easy or whatever, right? There was like fucking, there's films there that no one had rented except Paul. And I often joke that there's a Paul section in this. <laughs> you did. Who the fuck's going to watch this? Put it in the Paul section, right? <laughs> so Paul's seen a cunt load of films yes, as a thing, and right? and our friend Nigel will say, oh, it's a fucking Paul film. Exactly, all right? So, uh, and which, which makes him kind of the Quentin Tarantino of the two of us, right? <laughs> so, with me, I tend to happen upon obscure films as for just reasons unknown. Or because I fucking told you about them. Mostly that, but so, even And then so- you ignore me until you sort suddenly watch of your own accord and go, hey, Paul, I saw this film, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that fucking one I told you about six happens. times through the course of the show. But I will tell you this. Uh, <laughs> definitely the case, but I will tell you this. A good number of the films on my list are films that I saw long ago, right. which no one's ever talked about to me. And I've never heard yeah, anyone talk about either. So I'm, I'm interested in whether and how much crossover, if any, that we have. Because I've gone with... I've tried to not be like, oh, this. I've got two or three from the long ago films. Mm. Two from last three, from the 80s in mm. particular. And I got a whole bunch of films that are a bit more recent too. So when I say recent, like, you know, five years ago, yeah. six years ago, that sort of realm I, too. I came at it There's like... There's one that's a bit more recent, like 2020, that just seems to be completely missed by everyone. I've got a 2017 in here that everyone, no one ever talks about. And it's the thing, I came at it like, oh... These are films that you probably never even heard of, but you should have. So that's my jam here. We're giving you gems, baby. We're giving you that's gems. That's it. Basically, this is the ultimate hidden gems that's right. episode. We've done sort of different decades there, and maybe two or three of these have popped up on those episodes for me, but mm-hmm. I tried to go a bit beyond that as well. Word up. All right, well, that's how we're going to approach this episode. I think the only thing left to do, because I don't, there's no recount this week, Wayne. Nothing, Wicked. Nothing to go on about, so uh, let's do it. On the other side of this music queue, it's going to be the top 10 films you've probably never seen. Top 10 films you've probably never seen, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> Is the subject of this week's countdown. Why don't I lead us away? Bring it. Way with my number 10, which is a film out of Denmark. Hmm. It's a foreign language from yep. 2015. Yep. One that caught me completely by surprise. Was nominated for an Academy Award, yet 
only 30,000 people have watched on Letterboxd and only 44,000 people have logged it on IMDb. Yeah. It's called Land of Mine. Land of Mine. I think I've heard you talk about this, but I can't remember a thing. Did, Bring it. Did I? I think it might have made my top 10 films of that particular year list. This one is so impactful. It basically follows towards the, the end of, or the, at the end of the World War II. Mm-hmm. There is a group of young Denmarkian, uh, German soldiers, basically. Yep. Who are effectively prisoners of war mm-hmm. in Denmark and they are required to go across Denmark removing mines <laughs> that the German army have, plant, have planted. Now, they're all very, very young soldiers. You know, these are the kind of guys who are conscripted and sort of just sent off to war and have no real idea what they were doing. So the film depicts them as largely being quite innocent and and just caught up in this whole affair. Mm. Yeah. And they're... How do they find the landmines? They've got like... Like metal detectors. Yeah. So then once they... But by that time, you're over the top of it, right? Well, that's right. <laughs> and then it becomes how they disarm these mines without being blown up. And that's this entire film. Wow. So there are unbelievably tense scenes yeah. of... Over the course of the film, you get to know these characters. And as I said, you realize they're mostly pretty innocent people and mm-hmm. you don't wish ill upon them. They just happen to be... Yeah in the wrong country at the wrong time of life and had to f- had to fight in these wars and were captured and, and put to this work. And there are some brutal moments and really? some really powerful angst because the guy who's who's forced him to do this, the Denmark sort of soldier who's in charge of this whole, if you want to call him, group, he you know, he hates them because he's a veteran soldier. He, he's played by Roland Moller, who you will recognise from being in lots of films as that token European bad guy okay. or, or the yeah, like. yeah, yeah. He's in Atomic Blonde, he's in Riders of Justice, oh. he's in Skyscraper, he's in The Commuter, he's in Blood Red Sky. So, okay. Uh, as an example. So, he starts out like you know, he hates them and he doesn't care if they die, but over time he forms a bond with them in the same way the audience does. Yeah. It starts to care for them and it's fascinating how that all sort of plays out as well. Land of Mine. Yeah. Clever. Clever title. It's a very, very clever title. So. Not bad. Okay. Well, well worth a look. Do check it out. Cool. Well, from that very serious film to my not remotely, although somewhat weirdly serious film, it's called, um, I've never heard anyone talk about this film. It's a British film. It's called Four Lions. Now. I've seen this one. Have you? Yeah. This is so weird. Like, it's got Riz Ahmed in it. And there's another guy named Adil Akbar, which we, we act out, which you will have seen somewhere. But otherwise, there's not. Oh, there is a cameo by Benadryl Kumslat at the very end. <laughs> right? But, like, it's the story revolves around these four friends who are Arab in, in yeah. nationality, but they live in London. Yeah. Right? So they're, they're UK citizens. UK but, citizens. Yeah, so they, they, they all got British accents like yeah. this. Yeah. And so, um, and they're determined to become soldiers of jihad. So they're actually kind of <laughs> wannabe terrorists, I guess. Two thousand fifteen. Yeah, 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 around that time, and and they're actually trying to like some of them are trying to like they basically have argued. It's a comedy, yes. but it's one of the blackest comedies I've ever seen because it mixes in like them being sort of stupid people terrorists, except perhaps the lead. They even go to like you know um, the, the the Middle East to try and train in a terrorist camp, and they make stupid mistakes. Um, and but they're mostly arguing about who's the most. I guess terrorist who's the biggest baddest terrorist yep. how much they want and the thing that's weird about this is that the lead character Riz Ahmed he's actually got a family like a, a wife and a, and a son and he's completely open about how he wants to do a suicide bombing and he's showing them videos of their you know their jihad videos and stuff. And they're like oh yeah you should cut that out and here's a blooper shit like that it's really really weird and I'm like how did this get made and obviously it was like um, it's very it's Sort of borderline, like, how, yeah. I know. It's like, this would be a really weird, because it's almost, the only thing that saves it from being a, um, a rec- <laughs> I guess, a, a, a recruiting video for terrorists is the fact that they're all depicted to be idiots. Yes. 
but it's a very touchy topic. And like one of them is like white, like totally white, right? And so it's 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 this weird thing. But the moments that happen throughout are shockingly like oh when people die it's like, oh sh-, you know right? and yes. you would not be you, you just don't you can't tell what's going to happen in this film and at the end it just goes something happens and it's over and I'm like whoa that is a it's just so black that it kind of got me off guard so <laughs> four lines very weird a peach in the right for the right person I wouldn't recommend it to absolutely everyone no no this film is this list is not all films we thoroughly recommend they're films that we think very few people have seen that yeah, we enjoyed that, that were worth for whatever at, reason at least yeah for whatever reason so yeah number 10 Four Lions yeah okay nice my number 9 is a film from Christopher Smith this is a guy who has made a career he's a UK filmmaker or an English filmmaker he's made a career making kind of genre films of different types Mm -hmm. then he sort of branched once into hollywood did a film called detour yeah but he's made triangle do you remember that film with melissa george yeah Yeah. this is an earlier film of his from 2006 called severance which is my first introduction to the workplace horror Uh uh-huh so oh have i heard no i think i've heard of this this one follows a retreat where a company uh, including danny dyer yeah is that, that guy, he's from um, Human Traffic. Yeah, he's the lead in it. But it's also got um, Tim McKinnery, who is in like Blackadder and like he's uh, the long neck dude. Th- yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, it's, you know, a, it's a UK show? Yes, yeah, UK yeah. film. Uh, and so, and there's a sort of token American in it, uh, Laura Harris, who you would recognize as well from a fair few films at that particular time. Seems familiar, yes. And they go off on this retreat into the middle of wherever the hell that they are and they start getting murdered mm-hmm. one by one. As one would imagine in horror. Members of the Palisades Defence Corp. They're a sales group that arrive in Europe for a team building exercise. Mm-hmm. But they get trapped in there and they start getting picked off. And it's very much a comedy horror. Like oh. da- Danny Dyer being in it means that you know it's not going to be ta- played very straight. Like, not as black a comedy as what you just described yeah, yeah, yeah. or darker comedy as you just described with four lines. But... It, it goes places where, oh, this, that's really violent, this scene, but then not that long before you're having a bit of a chuckle about yeah, this yeah. sort of experience and this particular type of character. Of course, it's lampooning the, the senior executive and it's lampooning the guy who's not taking his job seriously enough and it's lampooning mm. the, the ultra hot chick in the office. So it's it's got this sort of satirical over-the-top element mixed in with these murders left, right and centre. And it's a very deft balancing of this and I quite enjoyed this particular film and would recommend it to fans of horror or even you know it's a horror comedy horror comedy yep. fine with me severance yes yeah, severance from severance. 2006 and for the record this one has 20,000 logs on letterboxd only and 40,000 on imdb is that considered low very low okay cool all right as nice. we progress higher up my list generally speaking there's a couple a little bit out of order but generally speaking the higher we go the less it's been even logged <laughs> i knew you'd have a system okay uh also from 2006 is my next my number nine film um which is a bruce willis film which I don't Ooh. hear people talk about a lot. Must be oh, 2006. Yeah, okay. So after the Bruce's downward dive. Uh, it was actually before his downward dive. I oh, imagine. Really? Yeah, I think so. I think he was still a star at this stage, which is why it's an interesting to me. And I don't hear a lot of people talk about this. The film is called Lucky Number Eleven. Oh yeah. Do you remember this film? I do. Yeah, it's also in, in Australia for some reason it was called The Wrong Man because we do that in Australia. We have the shitty titles for movies. I don't know what it is. Australian um, audiences won't get the under- won't understand what that means. Yes. No one's going to see it. Exactly. But if we call it the wrong man, everyone will see it. Exactly. There's a dude in it called Slevin. That's why it's called Lucky Number Slevin. It ain't hard anyway. Josh Hartnett. Josh Hartnett. Yeah. Josh Hartnett. Morgan Freeman. Ben Kingsley. Lucy Liu. Bruce Willis and Stanley Tucci. Quite a quite an all star cast. And it's kind of a neo noir crime thriller film directed by Paul McGuigan. McGuigan. It's 
about kind of a mistake, a case of mistaken identity, which puts this guy named Slevin in the middle of a war between two rival crime lords. The one guy is Ben Kingsley. The other guy is Morgan Freeman. Stanley Tucci plays this detective. And there's also an assassin, which is Bruce Willis, who kind of, you know, devise, has to devise a plan to save, like, everyone before his luck runs out. Now, what's interesting about the film is that within the first about 10 minutes, I'm like... It's quite a body count on this film. Like it was, it's surprisingly like all the, all the deaths are very sudden and holy mm. like shit like that. And Bruce Willis is quite menacing in it. And I, for one reason or another, not until the end do you figure out why exactly all the things are happening. It's one of those films. But the ending itself is also quite harsh. And you're scratching your head for most of it, which usually pisses me off. But now, but for this one, <laughs> for this one, I actually by the time the ending now, you, if you hang in there, it's worth it. The plot unravels and it's full of great twists. So I've always quite liked this film, and I this is funny. I'm pretty sure I saw it on I want to say VHS. Maybe no, I'm not we sure. saw this at the cinema. We saw, I didn't see it at cinema. Did I, you? No, I'm sure I'm I didn't. Very certain I saw it because I showed cinema. it to someone, and someone said that to me. They were like, "Holy shit, a lot of people are dying in this fucking movie, <laughs> right?" So it's just one of those things. Oh no, it must have been a DVD. Like that wouldn't be VHS. In yeah, it wouldn't be VHS. It was, but I remember looking at the DVD cover because it's, it's really kind of funny. But uh, yeah, Lucky Number Eleven is worth your time. Should you be in the mood for a little old school Bruce Will? <laughs> okay. All right. That's the only way you're going to get any more Bruce Will in your life. So That's right. go for it. My number eight is another film from, well, my first film, I should say, on the list from the 80s, from 1986 to be particular. Mm-hmm. And despite the fact it's been out for almost 30 years, 27 years, 36,000 people have only logged it on Letterboxd and 25,000 have only logged it on IMDb. Mm-hmm. But this is a bit of a, it's another horror comedy. It's sci-fi horror comedy and it's called Night of the Creeps. Night of the Creeps. All right. Tell me about Night of the Creeps. Directed by Fred Decker who wrote and directed The Monster Squad, which maybe is a yep, film you've seen. I remember that. And Wolfman Has No Arts. Yeah, and yep. unfortunately, Robocop, whatever it was, three he did, which is what killed, Frank Miller one. killed his career. Yeah, fucking sucked. Until he came back to write the, the Predator, another film that you hate, as directed by Shane Black. Oh, that piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Night of the Creeps is a, a love letter, homage to the 50s kind of films where you know aliens invade. And in this particular film... These aliens are, or these creatures are, from outer space, and they're like slugs, and they get into the dead, and they reanimate the dead, uh-huh. and then they. It's want, a zombie film, isn't it, Paul? Basically, it's a it's a zombie film, but it's very much tongue in cheek, and it stars Tom Atkins at the sort of prime of his career. Do I know him? Do you know him? Tom Atkins? Who's that? Tom Atkins, you would recognise him. Okay, I Sorry. would hope you would recognise him. He's in lots, so many, so many different films. It's it's frightening. Oh really? Escape from New York, The Fog, Lethal Weapon. Creepshow, Halloween 3, where he's the star maniac cop. Oh. Yeah, I know that motherfucker. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Jason Lively, and then a bunch of other people that really didn't go on to... to oh, Dick Miller is in it too, in a, in a bit of a camera. The guy from Gremlins, you know, the next door neighbor. Yep, I know exactly who he was. It's also, therefore, and we're mentioning Tom Atkins, I need to give appropriate credence in terms of his contribution to the soundboard. Oh, God. <laughs> Thrill me. That's where that, that, that line comes from, yep. God, he's a lot so he's this detective. He's investigating how all this is going on, and and <laughs> there's a great line, another great line in the film where so the dead are coming back to life. It's not overly violent. It's not that kind of film at all. It's sort of girls. I've got good news and bad news. The good news is your dates are here. The bad news is they're all dead. <laughs> I'm sure that's good for one of your horror comedy movies. <laughs> it's great. There's a character who runs around in there who's a Chinese American. Sort of he's a He's sort of observing this from the background, and every time he sees what's going on, his 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 catchphrase is screaming like banshees. They were screaming like banshees. Yeah, yeah, okay. Very funny film I found at the time, and uh, just great pacing. Like ninety minutes, maybe eighty-five minutes. You're in, you're out. Wow, where have those days gone? <laughs> where have they gone? So- 
uh, see our review of Killers of the Flower Moon <laughs> for Wayne's context on that one, or don't and just pretend that you you did. Better All right, so uh, that's uh, my film number eight, Night of the Creeps. Night of the Creeps, cool. I should mention this one is beloved in the sort of niche horror community. You mean your people? Sure, my people. But beyond that, no one's seen this film. So. Uh huh. Uh huh. Okay. Cool. Uh, my number eight is one that you can actually catch on Netflix, ladies and gentlemen. Now, Paul, you know I'm a big fan of Henry Cavill. Uh, yes. And uh, extraordinary, extraordinary fan. He may be one of the most beautiful humans ever live. This is a. Someone have said to me, or said in their commentary, that this is Henry Cavill's best film, and it's one you've never heard of. Oh, okay. It's called Sandcastle. Okay. I have not heard of this one. There you go. Now, this is uh, a film with Nicholas Holt, Henry Cavill. Logan Marshall Green, who we sometimes refer to as... Um, Tom Hardley. Tom Hardley. He looks like Tom Hardy, but he's not. Glenn Powell from Top Gun Maverick, and then Tommy Flanagan, who I think was in that motorcycle Sons of TV Anarchy. show. Yeah. yeah. So 2017 film, so quite recent. It's about this dude. It's actually mostly about Nicholas Holt, but Henry Cavill is a, is a sort of second lead. Mm-hmm. And he's a soldier in Iraq, and he's a really reluctant soldier. In fact, the movie starts with him putting his hand in a Humvee uh, door jam and slamming the door on it multiple times. Trying to get out of there. Trying to get out of there. Fails to get out of there. And it's about them going there and trying to basically bring water to the local populace, but they all hate him and they're trying to... It's it's a, And all of the, the local, I guess, militia or jihad, terror, whatever, are trying to kill the Americans, okay? And so it's a lot of gunfights and stuff like that. Now, it has surprisingly wicked cinematography in it. And even sound design, like when something blows up, like the thing where you, can, you can't hear the people talk quite, that, that kind of thing happens. But it's not ob- obtrusively put in your way. It's somehow subtly handled. Now, I'm not saying it's the best film ever, oh, well. but it is surprisingly good. A lot of short oneers, a lot of one- one-shots going around the place. So okay. That's kind of cool. I will say that it kind of dithers right before the, 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 the third act, and that's the only problem with it. But in every other aspect, this is a really solid war film that no one seems to have talked about. Okay, so, I might have to see if I can find that one of those. Yeah, yeah. Those. I mean, like I said, don't expect too much because if it's like, but it's pre- it's it's definitely decent. So yeah, give it a try. Challenge with these lists, of course, is finding the films that we're talking about once they've. Uh... One of mine, yeah, one of mine's on YouTube. <laughs> like yeah. the whole film is on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. When well, we get so, back to the eighties, that there's a lot of those absolutely. ones that can pop up there. There now. Okay, so the Sandcastle there at your number eight. Number eight. My number seven is also from the 80s, a little bit, well, one year later than Night of the Creeps, The Hidden. The Hidden. The Hidden has, is directed Hidden. by Jack Shoulder, who directed Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2 mm-hmm. and New Line Cinema's first ever film, Alone in the Dark. Oh. And is that Christian Slater? No, no, you're talking about one that's many oh, okay, years later. Okay, yeah. This is, this is, that's the Uwe Bowl. Uwe Bowl, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, go on. So this film basically follows Carl McLaughlin, oh, who's yeah. like an FBI agent of and- course. He's sort of paired up with his police detective to follow this spate of really violent crimes where seemingly normal people suddenly go hyper-violent, pick up guns to start killing people left, right and centre and eating terrible food and just going to complete excess. Eating terrible food? Yeah, like uh, jamming down like a oh. burger and then pick up a gun and really? shoot the person. Yeah, this oh, kind of shit. Okay. Turns out to be another slug-related film, Wayne, because there's Bloody an hell. alien <laughs> from outer space that gets into people, takes them over, Sensing it's called a the Hidden, Go on. and it's trying to basically get up to be to take over the president because it wants to effectively run the world, this wow. thing. And Kyle McLaughlin plays his FBI agent who turns out, just watch the film. Watch the film. <laughs> He's a bit odd and a bit different, and it's how this sort of odd couple are chasing through this. It's got some great action. This is basically a sci-fi action film. You know, the, the horror premise of being invaded by an alien slug, sure, but by the... Beyond that, or not even quite a slug, really, it's a, a, a thing. Mm. But beyond that, it's played straight like a surprisingly big budgeted 
action film with you know, explosions and car chases and all this kind of shit going on and people being mowed down because it's the 80s so there's squibs going off in every third person's chest that's in this particular movie. Oh my God. So it's really, <laughs> it's really hyper-violent and was all the better for that. It's just one of these ones that for some reason it never broke out, it never made a big big splash. 28,000 people on Letterboxd, 22,000 people on IMDb which is fuck all by comparison given how good this movie is. It's definitely one of the better better films on this list that I was ranking just by the quality of film this would be ripe near the top very nice okay that's interesting great um, film the hidden uh, so sci-fi though sci-fi yeah. horror well, it's a sci- sci-fi, sci-fi horror. action sci-fi action okay uh, action really action sci-fi feel with a horror bent I always like the Kyle Mc- I always like the quirky FBI guy maybe it's the next fast thing I you, don't know. you dig this movie I reckon yeah yeah okay Check not it out. bad we'll do uh, my number seven is a film that Paul 100% took me to see Okay. Hey. Um, it was back in the day and we saw it in one of the art house cinemas and he said to me that this is how he sold it to me he said yo there's this film and it's a total low budge like fucking indie film alright they only had one set and that's the whole film and I'm like alright single single camera he goes no but it's they only had one set the film's called Cube yes you remember Cube? yeah I do now apparently this was remade recently by a Japanese director I haven't seen it oh. um, but it was I did hear about that yep yeah so what happened? The premise of the film is that without remembering how they got there, a bunch of strangers awaken in a prison of cubic cells. Literally, they're in this room, which is a t- perfect cube, no windows, nothing. And some of the, and basically, they have to get out of each. There's a little opening in each of the cells, and they have to get to the next one, which is in another cube, and it leads to another cube and another cube, and they're trying to stay out of there, and and they're trying to they're trying to get out of there. And there's pe- no one in here you've ever heard of, okay? And since even. And they're all different people. Like one's a policeman, one's a student, like a little girl. One's a one's a dude with mental disabilities. One's an, one's an, another chick, an older chick. Just stuff like that. It seems like a rabble of people, and they're trying to figure out what, how to get out of here, why they're here, why they were put here. And each time they go and make it into the next cube cell, which of course is the same set, which is lit different ways to make you think that there's a whole bunch of cubes. Yes. There's like they're all a lot of them are booby trapped with lethal like shing like a big thing comes out and cuts them all in half. Shit like that. There's only one correct path through the cube. So you go through the ceiling, you go through the floor. Um, That's right. And if you go the wrong path, there's a booby trap in there that, that will kill you. So they have to work out ways of making their way through whilst trying to work out why they're in the cube and what's yes. going on with that. So, And then the great skill of that film is that what you initially think each character's role is going to be as established in the first five, mm-hmm. ten minutes of this movie, by the end they've all switched roles. That's right. And it's like they mess with you, the so audience. So the hero is not the hero. Yeah, exactly. The hero, you, that, exactly. The asshole yeah. villain guy is not the asshole villain guy, yep. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And there's like, we, and it's, it's it, like I said, the, the fact that it was low budget and the way it is, this was named Best Canadian Debut Film at the Toronto yeah, Film. It's directed by Vincent Natale. It's a bit more known than the films, at least on my list. Because, is it a bit more known? Yeah. It's, it I've had, never heard anyone talk had about it. had three sequels or two sequels and as you say, a, a remake. Um, you would have heard me talk about it. It had 231,000 people logged it. So I'm not having to go. Just oh, saying, yeah, yeah. It's probably a little bit more popular than you think because it's a bit outside your wheelhouse. I guess wheelhouse. we've got a remake, absolutely. Um, but like, but yeah, the, other, the sequels are vastly inferior, although they eventually do explain what the whole thing is to the cube. Tell me. Well, yeah, you'll have to. <laughs> oh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> um, just, read but, about, just read about them. You don't even need to. Well, that's the thing. What, what got me is that it was surprisingly gripping for what it was. And, we were, and it's one of those... Um, cinematic experiences in my youth where I'm like sitting with my bros and just talking and looking at the look at this fucking film and we're just sort of existing like film buffs which is exactly what we are so it's it's one of the I don't think I'll get those anymore now when we go to a movie that's supposed to be like like weird and stuff I probably won't have you there I probably well it's also mean? the fact that 
because you know, 997 marketing versus 2023 marketing, you know, even if you try to avoid everything, you don't even watch a trailer, you still know enough about a film. So it's hard to be hard to be genuinely surprised by a movie these True, days. things are more prolific now, but are you really surprised how, like again, like that Netflix film, yeah, it's got Henry Cavill and Nicole, these are big stars and most well, that's people true. have heard of it. You know? So one. it's kind of a weird thing, but uh, yes. Cube, my number seven. My number six is from 2000 and it's from a director that I talk about quite a lot. It's a Japanese film from Ryu Kitamura. It's called Versus. And this is as low, low budget as you get. Mm-hmm. This is as close to a student film as you could possibly imagine. And it basically... There's a whole bunch of ruthless gangsters, an unknown woman, and an escaped convict have met have met in the Forest of Resurrection, which happens to be the 444th portal to the other side. There are 666 portals in this world, and then basically through the machinations of this script, all the dead that the gangsters have buried in this forest come to life. And what follows is this kick-ass swords, guns, martial arts, fighting versus zombies versus each other where you're sort of trying to work out whose allegiances you're, you're meant to follow and, and the hero. There's like heaps of hero shots and long trench coats and it's fucking awesome. Do you know, this is... Um, years ago, I had a girlfriend who, who, who gave me a very interesting birthday present one year where she bought 10 DVDs of films that she thought I should watch that I haven't seen. Yeah. She consulted Paul with it and said, Paul, what should I? What DVDs should I buy? And Versus was one of the ones that she, that you recommended that she get. And it's in my... It's in my Did you ever watch DVD? it? No. <laughs> Them, Paul. <laughs> it's, it's been 24 years. I know. Oh, not, okay. quite, not quite that much. Well, but there you go. Now you can. I don't even know if you can watch a DVD anymore. Can you? I don't have a DVD player. No, I, haven't exactly. one, I haven't had one for 10 years. But my my computer has a this odd little square rectangle thing, which I think is a DVD player. Ooh. It's a Blu-ray player. So there maybe you should give it a shot. Yeah, see whether, give it a try. I, mean, I watched it. I own it on DVD as well. And yeah. I probably watched it three, four times back in the early 2000s. Has been a while. I haven't watched it in the in the era of the show. Isn't that funny how DVDs are just old hat now? Like it's like when it, when it came out, it was like you gotta have a DVD. Well, you know. So. For sure. Eleven thousand logs and letterbox and 14,000 only on IMDb. So we are, we're getting down low, low, low Not as bad. we progress. Not bad. Okay, nice one. My number six is a 1988 film Ooh. that I watched with my dad. And nice. Get this. Um, here's the cast. Sidney Poitier, Tom Berenger. I know what this one is. Kirstie Alley. Yeah. Clancy Brown. And then like a few other people. So um, it's called Deadly Pursuit, but also... In America, you may know it as Shoot to Kill. That's right. what it was called there. Okay? And so, this is sort of a buddy cop action thriller directed by Roger Spottiswood. Do you know who he is? Yeah, he's made a bunch of other films. A bunch of other films, yeah. And so, yeah, Sidney Poitier. At the t- <laughs> there's, there's a great statement. Well done, you film podcaster. <laughs> he's made a bunch of other films. He's made a bunch of... Oh, the point is it wasn't his, his, his one and done. Yes. <laughs> So Sidney Poitier, for guess who's coming today and all that classic, like, you know, actor, when he had done this film, I don't know why I know this and I remember it at the time, it was the first film he'd done in 11 years when he wow. did this thing. So it was like kind of a big deal, uh, although not such a big deal that anyone's heard about this, because let me tell you, it's not well known. Now, it's about FBI agent who's Sidney Poitier, and what's cool about the film is it's about him chasing a killer, but most of the movie, you don't know who the killer is, because it starts out with like... This dude, and he's got a woman hostage, and like he, his signature thing is he shoots a hostage in the eye. It's a bit grisly for the 80s, you know? And What do you mean, grisly for the 80s is par for the course? For me. <laughs> <laughs> for you, it ain't shit, right? 
So the way this works is that the killer basically gets away after like, you know, having, you know, gotten what he wants. And this, this um, Sidney Poitier is like chasing him and he ends up chasing him through the wilderness because the killer goes and assumes, kills someone, assumes the identity of this fisherman who goes on a fisherman's like wilderness party led by Kirstie Alley. Yeah. And so all the way through, you see like this group of men being led by Kirstie Alley and you know one of them is the killer, but you don't know which one it is, right? And eventually you do find out. But what happens is Sidney Poitier goes like, man, how am I going to track this person? He finds Tom Berenger, who's Kirstie Alley's boyfriend, who's also an outdoorsman, and they're going after it. Now, eventually when you find out who the killer is, it's a bit of a surprise to me because the particular actor is kind of well known now. It won't be that big of a thing yeah, yeah. for you. But at the time, I didn't know who the fuck that person was. So... I'm like, oh, okay, interesting. And I actually loved this film because it's sort of buddy cop. There's actually funny bits in it where they have to escape from a bear and this kind of shit like that. But the the ending of it is exactly like an 80s film would be. But I maintain, even though it's shot like an 80s film, it's a lot of like, um, probably the score I would not rate that highly because it makes things not as serious as it should be. But right. <laughs> it ends like you, it's a it's a really great 80s film and I maintain it's still yeah, good now. I, I, I just skipped through it before I saw the, before I put it on this list. And I'm like, no, this is still good. I remember being uh, pretty good. Roger Spottiswood, he was a co-writer on 48 Hours. He directed Air America. Oh, I loved Stop Air America. Or My Mum Will Shoot. Oh, well. Terror Train. <laughs> Turner and Hooch. Tomorrow <laughs> Never Dies. <gasps> That's where I remember him from. And the sixth day, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Do you remember that one? I, I barely remember that one. But I, I, I maintain if you're if you're in the mood for a bit of uh, old school charm or whatever, Sydney Poitier, Daily just, Pursuit. Just looking at I at this not IMDb, yeah. the opposite letterbox. If I've called out, you know, for you saying, you know, cube two hundred thirty-one thousand, this has only got five point six thousand logs on Letterbox. So there you it go. absolutely is <laughs> a low, not very, very rarely seen film. Nice choice, nailed it. All right, nice one. Uh, your number five, sir. All right, to the top half of the list. My number five is the oldest film on my list. It's also one of two Australian films on my list. It has eleven thousand logs on Letterbox, seven point six thousand on IMDb. It is from the director of Highlander. It's Russell Mulcahy's Razorback. Oh, God. Razorback. Is that Aussie film yet? Yeah. Razorback is a particularly striking Australian film about a wild pig, Razorbacks, that is going on a rampage. So it's kind of like Jaws in the West Australian outback, mm-hmm. uh, which is the state that we, in which we live. And it follows the very start of the film is from memory a uh, American journalist, and she gets killed. Pretty fast. Oh. And then it's her partner, boyfriend, who comes looking for her and interacts with the locals. Some of the locals aren't the best people, mm-hmm. let's say. Let's put it that way. And, yeah, meanwhile, this feral pig is out there running around, goring people to death whenever it can get across. That's them. right. It was a fucking pig. I remember yeah. this now. That's what a Razorback is. Yeah, I know. But, like, I remember that the, the big bad thing was a pig. Yeah. <laughs> it's just really good fun. It, it's all those elements coming together to... To really good effect, and a lot of a lot of night shoots on this particular film, and they're yeah, particularly dark, well well shot. Lots of spotlights, sort of doing the the heavy lifting on the illuminating. So yeah, the film looks good. It plays well. It's short, ninety five minutes. It's a heck of a lot of fun for a sort of Jaws knockoff, and it sort of showcases Russell Mulcahy's talent. Then a couple of years before he would go on to direct Highlander, because he was mainly uh, with thanks to David Powell for this information on their recent episode of We Watch the Thing, where they counted down the top ten. Unknown horror films or something. Okay. He had this one on these on his list. Okay, there you go. It's our one crossover today. So he said, yeah, apparently Russell Mulcahy was a video music video director. Music video. Okay, nice. McGee in the house. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he was a music video director. He was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, thank you. My number five is a film called The Wackness. 
Oh, yeah. I've not seen it. You've spoken about it. I know what it's about. Yeah, so this is Josh Peck uh, and Ben Kingsley. And also Olivia Thirlby, Mm -hmm. Funky Johnson, and uh, Mary-Kate Olsen, if you're into that. Now, (laughs) 2008 film. Now it's a coming-of-age comedy drama, and I remember watching it because I'd heard it was a comedy. I don't think it's quite a comedy, though there are comedic moments in it. It is more of a drama. It's along the lines of 500 Days of Summer, if you want to call it a comedy. It's not really. You know what I mean? So, set in 1994, New York City. There's this kid, Josh Peck, his name's Luke. He trades weed in exchange for therapy from his therapist, which is Ben Kinsley. And he graduates from high school, and he's, it's essentially like you're like it's nothing more than a coming of age film because he's young and he's getting you know he's falling in love, getting his heart broken, and this and that sort of thing. Um, <laughs> and he gives his therapist weed. Gives his therapist weed, but that's why by the time I was quite a, a fan of the weed, and um, I was like, oh, interesting. So people actually like this is this is a thing that people do. And no. Okay. Yes, I didn't know it destroyed your fucking brain. But there <laughs> no, you no, no, no. <laughs> a thing you don't give your therapist. Therapists don't. Yeah, take Paul, weed. have you ever been paid in weed? No. About uh, any drug at all no sex no <laughs> okay so <laughs> so it's not that realistic everyone no. <laughs> then again paul's never um practiced in new york so who knows <laughs> that is true the tug of the film is that it feels good does it sound stupid it's one of those good feeling films even though there's a moment in the film where josh peck is kind of like the woman of course like rebuffs him after he sort of falls in well over there and he sort of starts crying and she's trying to like, oh, I'm sorry. And he just stops. He goes, stop. I've never had my heart broken before. Because so just let me have my heart break. And, I was, and that was this moment for me where I'm like, oh, my God. You can actually feel your feelings without trying to escape them. Which was yeah, a thing yeah, I yeah, didn't yeah. expect to learn from a film like this about weed. Sure. So it's a pleasant enough film. I, 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 I really liked it. The whackness. It's not something you would expect. But I do admit it's actually a great film to watch. So okay. give it a try. Very nice. My number four. You've definitely spoken about that one on the show before. Yeah, definitely. A couple of times, yeah. I think. But uh, my number four is Hounds of Love. Hounds of Love. I think from 2016. This. this is a West Australian film. Oh. Shot here. And it's basically inspired by the David Burney or the Burney killings of a bunch of young women in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Side note, we went into the bush, which was um, a friend of ours, next to a friend of ours' houses, where some of the victims were located. Yeah, we're, we're left, unfortunately, yes. very, very sadly. So this one is, it's harrowing. It's one of those gritty sort of, and it follows a young woman who's abducted by this couple and she's kept kidnapped or, or held in this sort of hidden room and how she's trying to escape from that and knowing and working out what's happened to the people that have come before it. So it's got a bunch of people, Emma Booth, Stephen Curry, that you'd sort of recognize from Australian yeah, 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 sort yeah. of cinema. But yeah, it's just, I think the fact that it's set locally, in fact, at one stage I even thought, the house was a one of the streets here in Burswood was was one of the shooting really? locations. It, well, it didn't turn out to be it's okay. somewhere else, but no, it's but all shot here in Perth. Yeah, and it's all really going for a, a realistic vibe on this. And I just really threw in with this poor young woman and, and her plight. Yeah, very harrowing, very impressive. The tone it's going for it nails. It's harsh. It's from Ben Young. He went on to direct. He's actually a mate, Ben Young of of your mate, um, Aaron McCann. Oh yeah, they know each other well. And he He's went on to on the show before, yeah. direct. Yeah, Aaron's been on the show. Uh, Extinction, sort of movie with what's his name, Michael Pena on Netflix. Oh in shit, really? Yeah, oh, good that for was him. his sort of next gig after that. And yeah, so he's got a bit of a, and he's got another film coming called Devil's Peak. It's always nice when someone we know actually goes and makes yeah. real movies. <laughs> so I think he's a local lad from Perth. Is nice. what I'm and he's, he's made good. Cool. So yeah, that's another reason. To like, and of the ratings here, at least in terms of what have people seen, eighteen thousand letterbox have only logged this in seven years and 13,000 on IMDb. And it was a bit controversial because the families of the victims of the Bernie sort of 
said, how dare you exploit our loved one's death for this yeah, that's gain. Gonna, but, that's going to happen. You know, I mean, was it, was it directly referenced or was it more... No, it's very, very similar film. in terms yeah, of what's yeah, going yeah. on in the film, but they're not, they're not called the Bernies or anything like that. Yeah. So it's not, a, it's not an actual event. It's inspired no, by... No, like, I, I, look, I understand that. Yeah. I understand that. So, wow. Okay. There we go. There you are. What do you got for number four? Might. Is it four? Should be. Your number five was the Wackness. Yes, it was. <laughs> Just give me a moment, Paul. Have <laughs> you got eleven on your list? Oh yeah. <laughs> now, which one shall I drop? Oh god! <laughs> this is the dumbest shit anyone ever said in the history of, and I don't think I'm exaggerating here. Time. I think after oh. 446 episodes, people should get more of a peek behind the scenes. I mean, I'm fine with that. <laughs> I don't think they'd be too surprised. Plus, I mean, that much shit on each, shitting on each other's episode. So let's uh, let's try and help them out here with a, with a few laughs at this expense. <laughs> I will go to the elevator music if you don't get this sorted very All right, quickly. I've got it sorted now. Okay, good. All right, here we go. Have I, have I vamped enough? Good. Uh, I think you're fine. One more time. <laughs> so you're leaving this in? I'm fine with yeah, that. That's good. I'm totally fine with that. Okay. Well, everyone, how you doing? My new number four. My new number four is... Um, okay, so I recently had this conversation with a theater runner in West Perth, okay? Mm-hmm. I was doing an event there. He was, uh, he was the, you know, the guy running it. And this is what happened. I imagine this has happened to some of you. It's definitely happened to us, right? You're at a party or you're at an event or something, and you run into someone, and somehow you find out that they're a, uh, a, a film buff like yeah, yourself, sure. right? And when that happens, like, he was a film buff, and I didn't necessarily say I was. I had a, a podcast with movies, but a gun knows another gun. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so like, <laughs> bitch, please. So he start, We have this conversation, and while I'm working, he's trying to out geek me and ask me what obscure film you know could you could you right. mention that I would talk about, right? And I couldn't come up with anything, right? I wish I had this show to I was give. Say, it. If only this episode had exactly. been exactly. So the only thing I could come up with that I most now you probably have all heard of this film, but I haven't talked to anyone else about it except Paul and maybe one other person. This guy. Thank you for smoking. Oh yeah. Yes. You know this film? Dude. So um, this is a. Uh, it's 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 Aaron got Eckhart, Aaron Eckhart yep. Maria Bello, Cameron Bright, Adam Brody, Sam Elliott, and Katie Holmes. I don't want to wait. So <laughs> this. <laughs> now, why this is the shit? Now, the movie is about um, Aaron Eckhart, who's a lobbyist for big tobacco, and he finds it difficult to balance his duties defending the the dangerous substance of tobacco with being a good role model for his son, and. His life gets complicated when, like, you know, there's this anti-smoking campaign. It's essentially about spin. This is a movie made from a book that that celebrates, or kind of not celebrates, but has an indictment on on the age of spin, as it were. So why the film is good, though, is one, first of all, it's all about smoking, but not one person in the movie actually lights up a cigarette. The closest they get is he looks in his pocket and he's got an empty packet of cigarettes, but that's it. No one can actually smoke in the film. Good, all right? Right. It's cool, but most people don't don't recognize that after. Oh yeah, you're right. No one actually smoked in the film. Boom. One of those things. Interesting. Yeah, but his his him talking and teaching his son how to argue with people that you don't have to actually be right. You just have to prove the other person is wrong. And the kid actually cottoning onto that and be really really cool. And it's kind of really a, a very tightly scripted, it's very satirical, short, satirical, but yeah. really really classy. And it's like a bit of a crime to me that it wasn't more popular. Because this is pure, not intellectualism or whatever, but like it's a very smart film. And there's not enough of those get, get kind of out into the big circle. So very great comic turns. Big fan. Big fan of this one. So yeah. All right. Thank you for smoking. There we are. Nice. Nicely done, sir. My number three is the newest film on my list. I did speak about it at some point on the show from 2020. It's got 14,000 logs on Letterboxd and just 7,000 on IMDb, which shows how far under the radar this one has fallen or flown, I should say. 
there's another horror comedy that seems to be the, the genre du jour for me at least today. Mm-hmm. It's called Vicious Fun. Vicious Fun. Directed by a guy I've never heard of before and I don't believe since Cody Callahan. Although he has got a couple of other sort of horror films, but none anywhere near as good as including the anti-social series, which I have seen the first one of those actually. Mm-hmm. That was shit. This is not. <laughs> this is this is good. Yeah. <laughs> Stay positive, Paul. Stay <laughs> positive. Stay on target. Uh, and basically it follows a young guy who uh, a horror film fanatic he yep. loves horror film I think he's a critic as well can't imagine you'd have identified yeah. with this guy and he's a bit awkward and a bit bumbly and mm. the like and somehow he manages to find himself trapped in a self-help group for serial killers <laughs> what? yeah Okay. so he gets right, a, through right. the film's machinations and so he realises that they think he's one of their own who I can't remember has been captured or killed in the film so they think because they don't know each other because they're serial killers so they keep their identities hidden but they've come together to discuss this and some of them for the first time Mm. and they've all got their shticks like this guy does this and this woman does this and and whatever else and so he tries to blend in and pretend like he's also a serial killer (laughs) yeah and hence this is where sort of some of the comedy comes from while they're like that's an odd answer all the rest (laughs) you know that kind of thing and then there's a, a a woman among them who seems to have a different sort of bent and eventually these two kind of bond together right. and, and it becomes a bit of a fight for survival whilst he's crushing on this much hotter woman than he is. And she's a serial killer? She's something. I'll just put it that way. Okay. Yeah. So it's really, really good, this film. It's on Shutter, or at least it was on Shutter last time I looked. You can check it out there and you should. This is a much, much better film than its low logging level would have you believe. Anytime on Letterboxd a horror film gets over Three stars. It means it's very, very good. <laughs> What's the name of the film again? Vicious Fun. Vicious Fun. And and uh, you said there was no one in it. No, Julian Richings is in it. You might. He's been in like oh David Cockner, Cochner. Cochner. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's in it. He's yeah. one of the serial killers as well. So little little people and little people for a little bit of time. But no one overly famous or the like. The guy who is a star is Evan Marsh, who apparently was in Shazam. So oh okay, the Shazam film. So I guess he's one of the siblings in that. Right. Okay. No telling who though. Yeah. Radio. Excellent. Interesting. Vicious fun. Yeah. All right. Uh, my number three, I'm putting this on the list because it is a film that, as a guy who's a Seth Rogen fan, you would think I'd be all over this, but I had never heard of it. And Ooh, I only okay. heard of it after it came out when I saw this documentary about them talking about it. I'm like, why well, haven't I heard of this? There's a film called 50-50. I've seen this one. Have you? Yeah, it's with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Joseph like, Gordon-Levitt. Yeah. So it's a sort of a dramedy, I guess. And oh, yeah, for sure. It's yeah. a pretty serious thing. It's a serious thing, but like, um, this is, okay, so Joseph Gordon-Levitt has always tried to take good care of his health, and it's kind of a cruel surprise when he learns that he has malignant tumors along his spine. So the doctor gives him a 50-50 chance of survival, but he tries to remain upbeat, and his mom is played by Angelica Houston, and and Seth Rogen is his friend Kyle. They react badly to the news, and the film itself, now, get this, there are funny moments in this film, and most of it comes from Seth Rogen, but their v- relation, and even like uh, Anna Kendrick is his doctor, and they sort of have this almost romantic bond <sighs> kind of thing. Anna, I, Anna do you not like her? No. Why? She's in my Anne Hathaway dismissal. Oh! She's lovely. She's the <laughs> button. God damn, Paul. All right, damn. All right. Um, but why I like the film is again because I, I was, what the fuck is this? Then I went and watched it, and it didn't disappoint me. So the honesty that's driving the picture is kind of evident in every frame. For some reason, the way that they wrote it, the way they played it, the way they produced it is really I don't know. It's touching on many many levels, and you kind of like the Jogon Eleven is very compelling protagonist. Couldn't take my eyes off him. And just enough humor with the Seth Rogen thing to make it like a fun kind of not fun, good, to a break, good. To break it, break the uh, the tension's not the right word, but 
the the downness of it all. Yes, and that to me, like it, it's very brave. I would never be brave enough to write a script like that if I was a writer. I would always have no. It's either all funny all the time, or no, this is dancing that line, and it's kind of a rom com, but with brains, kind of. Yeah. And yeah, it feels sweet. Feels sweet somehow. So I love this film, but I had never heard of it before. I wonder how many of you haven't. Okay, fair enough. 50, Nicely 50. done, sir. My number two is a film which I told you about. I believe you went and watched it and enjoyed it as well. Mm. And way back early in the days of the podcast, I told the listeners about it too. But clearly, bugger all of you listening because only 6.4 thousand people logged it on Letterboxd and 12,000 on IMDb. It stars a guy who I long thought would be great if he got a starring role and I was not wrong. It's called Small Town Crime. Oh, yeah. John Hawks. This is a great film. I remember you told me about it. I'm like, never heard of it. Watched it. Fantastic. Don't know why I can tell you it's fantastic, but it's such a well-played film. Please. It's directed by the guys who would go on to do Fat Man, the Mel Gibson is Santa Claus sort of action film. That's a good show, too. Action thriller. So Eshon Nelms and Ian Nelms, so they're they're a brother duo. And it basically just follows Mike Kendall, who's John Hawks. He's a disgraced Mm ex-cop. He's an alcoholic, and he's, he's basically killing himself inside of a bottle. But then when he finds this woman left for dead on the side of the road, he becomes a sort of turns to becoming a private eye to track down her killers and in taking one last shot at redemption. That's pretty much lifted from the IMDb, sorry, the letterbox page. But this is one of those films which has got like quite the cast of, of mm. side characters. You recognize just about everyone, like it's Octavia Spencer yep. and Anthony Anderson and Robert Forster, yeah, rest Robert in Forster. peace. Clifton Collins Jr. is one of my favorite little character actors. Michael Vartan from Alias yeah, is yeah. in this film as well. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's just it's quirky and it's different and he's very, very fallible character, but you really get behind his journey really do. to redemption because John Hawks is that good of an actor. John Hawks is an amazing actor, isn't he? He's like so good. And and you know what? I, I remember why uh, there was a moment in this film that I really liked because what you're doing is you, it starts pretty dour because he's like, you know, he's fucked up and yep. he's like whatever and he's in his garage and stuff like that. And then as the film goes on, you're getting behind him, but what you're really getting behind is the fact that he's coming back to life. And there's this moment in the yes. film where he's talking with Robert Forrester and he has a slight breakthrough and he just drains this cup of, cup of coffee that he's, that he's drinking. Like, click, 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 boom. Puts it down and goes, ah. Robert Forrester looks at him funny and goes, are you okay? And he's like, just waking up, sir. You know, it's just this moment that I really liked. I was like, <laughs> really cool. So unexpectedly great, this film. Good call. Yeah, it was fantastic. So I just really thoroughly recommend everyone get out and check this one out because, yeah, John Hawks is... I think he's underappreciated as, I do a, as too. an actor. I do too. And you no, might be saying, well, who the hell is John Hawks then? Which would be fair. So He did this film with um, Helen Hunt where she shows her titties a lot. Um, <laughs> he's it? in everything, John Yeah, Hawks. he's in everything. But he's always a bit player. So he's in like three billboards outside of Missouri. He's in From Dust to Dawn. He's the store clerk at the very start of that movie. I never Dust said Dawn. it. Dust Dawn. That's where I remember him from. Russia, Peanut Butter Falcon, Contagion, American Gangster, Identity, Everest. Miami. He's just... So he's like much. Chris Cooper. He's like one of these like career actors that's a really good actor, but you only see him in the sides. Yeah, yeah, very nice. Right, that's my number two. Small town crime. What do you got, Wayne? Cool. My number two is a film that I saw on Laser Disc. Laser Disc with the boys, in fact. And this is a maligned film. Siskel and Ebert said this was the worst movie released that year. Wow. I wildly disagree. The film I knew it as Trigger Happy, but it's actually known as Mad Dog Time. Do you remember this? I absolutely do. When you talked before about Lucky Under Slevin, I almost said, this reminds me of that film about card playing. That's it. And where it gets sort of, they shoot each other, it gets violent and whatever else. But I couldn't remember the name of it, so I didn't say anything. And I was like, maybe it'll be on Wayne's list. And it is. It is. It's got, um, so the people in this are uh, Jeff Goldblum, 
Richard Dreyfuss, Gabriel, Gabriel Byrne, Byrne, Ellen Barkin, Diane Lane, Gregory Hines, Kyle MacLachlan, Burt Reynolds, like all these, like and the guy who directed and wrote. I think he's one of the characters as well. Yes, yes, I know the guy, but he's he, Angie Everhart's in it. You remember her? Yeah. Right Paul Anker, actual Paul Anker, and like just heaps of people in this, and it's set. In an alternate universe. They say that at the beginning of the film. In an alternate universe. Because it's one of those weird things where it seems to be set in sort of 1960s, 1950s gangster. But people have like modern technology. And the cars aren't quite the same. And that kind of... So they're just doing whatever they want with it. But every single character is playing a character. Kyle MacLachlan, hugely over the top. Gabriel Byrne, massively over the top. The cool motherfucker in the whole film is Jeff Goldblum. And I remember when we were watching it, I was like, I didn't know Jeff Goldblum could be good looking. But he does. And he was really, really cool in the film. It's just like... Larry Bishop. Larry Bishop, that's right. All the way through the film, I couldn't believe how much I liked it. Because I love that Rat Pack type shit. And this is that. But And it's even got Dean Martin music in the background and stuff like that. Ironically, everyone's talking about how this crazy guy is coming out of jail. The crazy, 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 crazy. And it turns out to be Richard Dreyfuss who comes out of jail. He's the only character in the film that's not crazy. And that's right. the thing about it, right? Yeah. So um, really, it's a, it's a gangster. When everyone else is crazy, that's what makes you crazy. A, you're not. Exactly. So this is the, it's a gangster film, but it's an odd gangster it's very film. very odd. It's extremely weird. And most people just don't know this film. But You're absolutely right. I think it's a great pull. I do remember watching it a second time and not liking it anywhere near as much. Do you know what? I am scared that that will happen. Because like again, we, we, I think we all watched it on Laserdisc. I can't remember. Do you watch that? I reckon maybe we saw this at the cinemas. I remember like talking Lu- with you guys Lumiere about it. Look, it could have like happened. It could, maybe, maybe I watched, rewatched it on the on Laserdisc. Who knows? But it was, uh, yeah, I absolutely love the show. Um, I think Richard Pryor is actually in this film as well. Yes, if you can imagine. Yeah, yeah. and so it's like Gregory Hines, Gregory Hines, Rob Reiner. Rob it's, in the film. A, it's a ridiculous cast. Yeah, and so that's clearly like, it was just one of these things. Was, ah, let's all get to have some fun. But they did it. And how it, did they do this? A yeah. fucking gang. It's like this is yeah. This thing slaps. Yeah, that's my as obscure as I, I would be fascinated. In fact, I'm going to look right now. On Letterboxd, only 1.1 thousand people have logged this film. So hardly anyone, right? Yeah. All right. That's almost good. nothing. That's less than anything on my list. Well done. That's a great, nice great pull. Okay. Thank you. Mad Dog time, ladies and gentlemen. My number one, then, I'm going to review after I run back through my list. So number 10, Land of Mine. Nine, Severance. Eight, Night of the Creeps. Screaming like bunches. Number seven, The Hidden. Six, Versus. Five, Razorback. Four, Hounds of Love. Three, Vicious Fun. Two, Small Town Crime. And my number one is a film in 2003. It's also directed by Ryu Kitamura. It's called Azumi. Now, I've definitely spoken about this before. Mm, mm. It's based on a, on a manga and effectively follows in war-torn Japan. So it's a period piece. This shogun effectively orders the assassination of all the hostile warlords and he sets off a, a guy to train a whole bunch of young assassins which is what they do in the film. The first 20 minutes of the film follows their training and their montaging. Sounds cool. Azumi is one of them. They they fight with swords, obviously. And quite manga kind of style costumes that are quite bright and knee-high boots and running all this kind of shit around. Okay. And then the first test is, they've got like three tests to become this assassin squad. The first test is, all right, get together with your closest companion, kill each other. Yeah, oh. So we halve the cast in the first 30 minutes of yep, the film goes, goes from there. Yeah. Uh, and it's some of the most inventive camera angle sequences I've ever seen. The final battle is it's a lot of people on one character and it's so well put together and so well yeah. directed. It's a this one's a little bit longer film. For some reason the on IMDB, sorry, on Letterboxd. Oh yeah, it's 128 minutes. So it takes its time a little bit more and you really get to know the the main three or four characters and then when bad shit starts to happen to them, you you do care. I feel it's fine to be long as long as it's good, Paul. Most importantly, though, 
it's it's the sword fighting and the action sequences that make this movie. So it's an absolute hidden gem. Bugger all people's in it. I know Joey from So Wizard Podcast. He's a big fan of this one too. 4.7 thousand on Letterboxd only and 15,000 on IMDb for a film that's now 20 years old. Again, foreign films are always going to be less, I think. Yeah, who, on, on who directed markets. it? Ryu Kitamura, the guy who I mentioned before directed Versus. Yeah. He wanted to direct the Midnight Meat Train with Bradley Cooper uh, and Vinnie Jones. And he's now sort of pottering around Hollywood doing kind of lowish budget sort of genre films like The Price We Pay I spoke about on the last top 10 last 10. Okay. Yeah. You know, of the Japanese directors, the one with the coolest name is Beat Takashi. Yes. <laughs> I always thought that. <laughs> like, what a cool fucking name. Anyway, that's me. All right. All right. What do you got, Wayne? We'll Run go us through your list. We'll and go then... 10 to 1. Uh, bear with me, because obviously I did yeah, some shit on the fly up. here. So there we go. <laughs> number 10, Four Lions. <laughs> number... For sure, that's number 10. Yep, it's num- Mercury around number 5, ladies Yeah, I guess we're on there. Nine, 9 was Nucky, Lucky Number 11. Number 8 was Sandcastle. 7 was Cube. 6, Deadly Pursuit. 5 was The Whackness, I believe. <laughs> and yes. then 4 became Thank You for Smoking. <laughs> Uh, number three was 50-50. My number two became Trigger Happy. <laughs> Hot damn! After I shopped out the cooler. Right. And the cooler, was, <laughs> the cooler okay. was a good show. Uh, and my number one. Now, the reason this is my number one, all right, is... Yes. The reason my number one... <laughs> um, this is, is a, such a Mickey Mouse this show. Is, no, no, no. This is, it. this is truly a film that I've uh, not one person I've ever spoken to, and I've even looked online. Most people haven't seen this film. I'm sure your little numbers will tell me how right I am. Okay, check. Yep. The film is called Inter- Interstate 60 Tales from the Road. Now, check out this cast, everyone. James Marsden, Gary Oldman, Kurt Russell, Michael J. Fox, Chris wow. Cooper, Amy Smart, and Margaret Christopher Lloyd. It's available on YouTube. From uh, Bob Gale. Bob Gale. Bob Gale is that, the... That household name. That's, well, he's a... Yeah, he's a, I think he's a well-known director. Um, nope. No? Nope. He's directed two films. This and Mr. Payback. Okay. Maybe not that well-known, but he seems like a guy. Look, here's what it is, all right? This is a cinematic gem, and it's an... Un, it's like... Eh, it, 11,000 on Letterboxd. Okay. I, that's way more than I thought it would be, because, again, it's available on YouTube. You can watch it for free, Okay. Now, in, it's, it seems like an 80s movie. It's not. People are using Nokia 6110s, which means that it was sort of an early aughts movie. Yeah, 2002. Um, 2002. Look, it unravels a tiny bit near the end, but as a rule, this entire film is wicked. What's it My, about? It's about James Marsden is this kind of a studying student, the student who, who actually uh, likes art, but his, da- his dad wants him to be a lawyer. He goes, oh man, I, you know, I wish, it, I wish I could get an answer. Now, Gary Oldman plays O.W. Grant, which is a little-known wish-granter in America. He has a red bow tie, he smokes a pipe, with a mon- it looks like a monkey. And is this he- guy in real life? No. No, it's, 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 it's in the movie, right? Oh, sorry, okay. But what he does is he goes around America and he, w- he grants wishes to people, just one, all right? And it's, he's, it's really, really weird, but this, he comes across James Morrison who just wishes for an answer to what to do for his life, okay? And Amy Smart appears. Amy Smart appears. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> No, but she's, <laughs> well, it's, that's not the answer to his question, but she is integral to him finding out. Well, and my point is... <laughs> yes, think, we all want to do Amy Smart, okay. Paul. Okay. 2000, 2002 Amy 2002 Smart. 2002 Amy Smart. It's, it's, a, it's a little different now. Um, the <laughs> but first of all, it's, a, it's an R-rated film because Michael J. Fox is in it and he's having a curse fit. It's like, fucking fuck, 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 fuck. And you're like, holy shit. Like, Wait, and you like this film? Dude, Alex... <laughs> Alex P. Kitten doesn't curse. It's really cool, right? So it's Christopher Lloyd is 
I'm not sure, but I think he might be the devil. I don't know if his character is the devil or not, but he, he might be, okay? Okay. Um, and it's, it, but it's very weird like that. And basically, it tells him to go in, along Interstate 60, which doesn't exist in the United States, and try and find the answer to his life. So it's one of those shows. But it is, uh, if you're not expecting it, which I wasn't, it's an absolute zinger, this show. It's fucking great. And okay. It's got, yeah, highly, highly recommended. Again, if it wasn't on YouTube, I'd say hard to find, but it's on YouTube, right? So go check it out there. And so, yeah, and again, I've never found anyone who's actually seen this show. I so certainly have not. All right, then, that's our 10 3 one one. Just run us down any honorable mentions, including the cooler that you have. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I put in Shattered. I put in Swimming with Sharks, Equilibrium. Uh, shock e- to the... People say Equilibrium, I think. I know, that's why I put... That's yeah. why otherwise it would have been all... Uh, Bubba Hotep, remember that shit? Yes, that's a, not um, a bad choice. Frailty. Do you think people have seen Frailty? Yeah, I think I think they have. I'm not going to look it up, but I think that one's a bit more well known. But maybe it's just because we've championed it so many times Possibly. on this show. And then SFW, which we yeah, like. I did very seriously consider that too. Yeah, you? Yeah, okay. I've got the Void from 2016, which is sort of a John Carpenter homage slash pastiche, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like Mungo, an Australian horror film, sort of found footage mockumentary horror film from 2008 and this one I, I thought oh this will be on this I've talked about it once before but Climax but turns out like lots more people have seen that one than I thought but compared to <laughs> everything me. else that's on, on my list that's a Gaspar No French kind of thriller sort of pseudo horror about people getting spiked drinks at this dance thing and then going mental oh yeah all right. some amazing cinematography that's Alice what about yours wrap up every episode of The Countdown with your feedback on the topic at hand the segment that we call The Pop 10 Talk About Pop 10. Talk about Pop 10. Kicking off this week's Pop 10 with Glenn Sutherland, who had Charlie Barrick from 1973, a film apparently starring Walter Matthau that I've never heard of. Mm. So therefore, that one certainly fits the brief. Charles Gretsch had his top three hidden gems as The Hitcher, No Way Out, and Copland. So No Way Out was a great show. Yeah, oh, yeah, I got yeah. to see the Presidio when I was it's in San Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Timothy Williams had The Rules of Attraction. It's all gone Pete Tong. <laughs> it's all gone Pete Tong is a really weird film. A mockumentary about a famous DJ, yeah. yeah. And Candy, Heath Ledger, Abby Cornish and Jeffrey Rush acting this is A1. I think the rules of attraction is fairly well known, but the other two would definitely yeah, qualify. That's, if you're a Brit, you know the, the Pete Tong one. Okay. Matt Evans had Last Train to Frio, which is a local indie drama with a twist yeah. ending. I've seen that one. Hesha, solid comedy drama with feeling. Don't know that one. Mm-hmm. And Animal Factory, second best prison movie ever. I wonder oh. what the best prison movie is there, Matt. Might mm. need to swing back around. Did we ever do that topic? Top 10 prison films? No, I think I called you a prison bitch once. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the aforementioned David Powell, if you're going to call him out, we must hear his answers. Number three, the pirate movie, cheesy 80s pop meets Gilbert and Sullivan. Told you. <laughs> never heard of that fucking shit. Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. What Ru- the fuck? Actually, Russ Mayer's <laughs> masterpiece, sadly never spoke about anymore. And Jennifer Eight, Bruce Robinson's awesome mystery thriller. That one I do know. Interesting. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. Nick Orton had Deadly Pursuit with Sidney Poitier. What up, dog? Uh, Sorcerer with Roy Scheider. Who, that might be a remake of The Wages of Fear from, from memory. And number one, Breakdown with Kurt Russell. We've, I remember that yeah, one for the movies. Sure. Yeah. Stu for the Stu World Order podcast. Hello, Stu said, number three, Grotesque, a late 80s slasher. With a generic first half, an intriguing second half, and a brilliant last two minutes or so. Hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Bloody Hell. He did recommend this one. I watched this one recently. Another thriller comedy about a former criminal going to Finland for a relaxing vacation. Or not. Number one, Deep Murder. Absolutely hilarious. Nonsense thriller comedy about the characters in a soft core porn having to solve a string of murders. 
Sounds like you two should have a fucking beer. <laughs> <laughs> Would happily do so. Minahaka, okay, Dan, who got the shout out for some obscene amount of points apparently for posting in our Facebook listener community yeah. during the week. Well done. There, Dan said Delicatessen number three, which is a French film I've seen. It's good. Oh, yeah, yeah. Lockout. Not sure I know that one. That's not the slice. That's lock up. I think that's lock up. Yes, yeah. exactly. Speaking of prison films. And number one, Immortal, in brackets, Advertam. Do not know that one either. So nope. hitting the brief there. Well done. Chris Uni, of course, had to have the joke answer. The only answer is Reap. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't think of that one. Well done. Well done. Well done. Yeah, we could have both had that as our number one. Yep, yep. Uh, Tease <laughs> the, the shit out of everything. <laughs> uh, Luke James Human had Prey from 2007, Holy Motors from 2012, and The Hard Word from 2002. Maybe well known over there, but only about seven people in the UK seem to have heard of it. Mm, I don't. Holy know. Moses, Mel Blanc, I think so. Holy Motors, Mel. Oh, Holy Motors. Yes. No. Yeah. Okay. That's some Mel good Blanc. choices there because we are non-plus. Like that's interesting feedback this time. Colonel Toby McNeil's had the Normal Heart, 2014 HBO, powerful story of the AIDS crisis in New York City. This is where I leave you, 2014. Stack cast and really organic dialogue. I think one of the best movies of the 2010s. Don't get what's not talked about. And Sugar, 2008, an immigrant story of a Latin baseball player trying to make it in the minor league system of American baseball. Very powerful. Nailed it. Three great choices there, Connell. Thank you for that. Nicole Presley had Dr. Horrible sing-along blog. We're obviously familiar with that. Neil Patrick Harris. That's it. 1959's House on Haunted Hill and Reefer Madness musical from 2005. Oh, never saw the musical. No, the the film's like Like 1950s. Yeah. And the last one here, final word goes to John Huslander had The Pit and the Pendulum 1991 with Lance Henriksen. Saw it at a horror movie marathon. Split second from 92 with Rutger Howe and Kim Cattrall. Special effects are awful, especially by today's standards, but it's a fun romp and oddly prescient. London is mostly underwater due to climate change. I mm. have seen that one. Yeah. And I think I've seen The Pit and the Pendulum too, but a long, long time ago. And I've seen this one too, Richard III, Ian McKellen as the title villain, telling the story in a 1930s English setting. So it's kind of like an alternate history, bringing that whole story forward in time. Yeah. Was ever a movie in this humor cheer- in this humor cheered? Seriously, so good. And for some reason, I didn't get it. Didn't get a lot of play. And he also wanted to say, Baba Ho Tep. There so, you go. There you go. That's your feedback topic. And sorry I couldn't get through everyone's feedback. It was a lot of it this week. Thank you to everyone who gets involved. We really, truly do appreciate it. And that's it for today's episode 446 of The Countdown. Wayne, how do the good folk get in touch with us? Search for our social our name, then we get our socials. Uh, join in. Send us an email at thecountdownpodcast at gmail.com or the website, thecountdownpodcast.com. Anything else? Nope, that's about it. X, the countdown, PC. Yeah, yeah. And yes, socials. Facebook's community and all the rest of that stuff. Follow us on Podbean where we host the show and, and like episodes there as well. And yeah, you know, hey, five star ratings on whatever thing that you're listening to. Next week, we haven't settled on a final topic, but we're going to do a music episode. It's been a while since we've musicked up. Hmm. So we'll, we'll give that some thought and let you all know in the Facebook community what our choices are. Interesting little anecdote, uh, a episode for the first time in a long time is entered into our top 10 most downloaded episodes. Oh, which one? Top 10 pop songs of the 90s. <laughs> is now one of our 10 most downloaded episodes. <laughs> yes. What's well, the surprise? Generally, the music episodes yeah, don't do, so don't well, do yeah. as well, but that one seems to have found, found a niche. So. Okay. I remember that one. <laughs> There you go. So there you are. Maybe we'll follow up my top 10 pop songs of the 21st century. Look, it could totally happen. And you know I'm in, right? You know I'm in. Uh, it's going to really stretch me, but okay. Bro. Um, <laughs> All right. Well, we'll confirm that we'll in confirm, due course. We'll but thank you so much again for joining us today. My name is Paul. My name is Wayne. And this has been The Soundboard. Vindication. Every filmmaker on this week's list. We'll catch you next time. See ya. See ya.
Yes. Oh, actually, here's something else I just thought of. Bring it. How do you confuse a casual wanker? <laughs> 42. <laughs> you got it straight away. Immediately. I told that joke last night. <laughs> And fucking the whole table like what? Oh, this is the thing. And like- then about ten seconds later, Patsy goes, "Oh," <laughs> <laughs> and then gradually, and I had to explain it to half the table. Uh huh. Uh-huh. This is the thing about jokes: you gotta pick your audience, and yeah. it's really tough sometimes. Yeah. But they all laughed as I got it, but it was yeah. still funny. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, "Oh my god, this is perfect." <laughs> <laughs> that actually is the best result. Yeah. Huh? <sighs> Meta. <laughs> and there were some very smart people in the room who didn't get it. <laughs> so. Yeah. Oh, in my case, it's like casual. So, 